Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Robert Glazer is the founder and CEO of global performance marketing agency Acceleration Partners. He's a serial entrepreneur and has a passion for helping individuals and organizations build their capacity to outperform. And it obviously works because he's been named as Glassdoor's list of top CEOs of small and medium companies in the U.S., he has a loyal and expansive following. We're going to be talking about one of his latest books, uh, Friday Five, uh, Friday Forward, sorry, Friday Forward, which is uh, based on a weekly inspirational newsletter that he has been sharing with readers around the world. So, Robert, welcome to People First. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm excited for our conversation, but I'm going to take you back to the beginning. Okay. I want your origin story. When you were a wee lad and you I were sitting a, in elementary yeah. school and the teacher said to you, Robert, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you want to be when you were a boy? Uh, first, they would say, pay attention. Uh, please pay <laughs> attention. And then they would say, oh, I, I would have said I wanted to be a lawyer because my dad was a lawyer. And so I thought that was cool and I wanted to be a lawyer. And I did that right up until college, until I interned in two law firms, and I decided I now want to be a lawyer. So what was it about the internship that made you say, uh-uh, not for me? One, I got a lot of coffee for people and filed papers. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other, the people were terrible. Uh, but it just, I, I started to realize that my passions were business and marketing and that uh, my, my, I have legal instincts, which served me well to this day. And in fact, I read contracts, I ask questions. Like it, it does serve me well. So I think I got some of the DNA, but, but it keeps you out of mischief. Yeah. Yes. Is that what you're saying? It, do, it, <laughs> it, 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 it does. Um, I, I, a lot of people say, I, I get told a lot. I've never, I've never been asked that question anymore. I'm like, so my answer is always, does that mean it's the wrong question <laughs> or people just didn't notice? Fair enough. So what was the pivot point then? Because Acceleration Partners, marketing, um, communicating powerful messages, as we see with the, with the book and your yeah. weekly newsletter. So what was the tipping point where you realized, ah, this is where I should go? Uh, so there were multiple uh, things. I, I will say the big tipping point, I think, was after I had already started Acceleration Partners was 2013. I went to a pretty intensive uh, four or five day leadership program that was run by EO. Uh, it was much more introspective than I expected. I expect to learn all these great ways on how to lead people. And Warren Rustan, the guy that, that lead it, I, I described the first two days as a big mirror, which was like, who are you and what do you want? And I, I came out of that determined to sort of come up with a concrete list of core values over the next five or six months. And I did that. And that was sort of the biggest catalyst of then redesigning my life, my business decisions and everything around those values, realizing like that's the stuff that I needed to, to do. So I started doubling down on some things and like Friday forward, I started cutting out some others, but I just, I just, that was a key like inflection point of like, this is, here's where I'm going to focus is what I'm going to do. Okay. And how, to what extent have your values continue to evolve over time or have you found that those are fairly solid anchor points that you now recognize have been with you consistently yeah so now i like teach this to our leaders and i created a course because so many people don't know how to do it um but i i think most core values run really deep i think it is a i think it is a self-discovery process of 
what's the operating manual that no one gave us to ourselves. And most, a lot of people can chase, trace it to formative early childhood stuff. So I, I think by the time you get to be as old as I am, I think they're pretty baked. Um, with that said, I, so I, and I don't think there's whole, like a company, there's not wholesale changes, but they might evolve, right? Someone who has something traumatic happen or some that, mm-hmm. you know, generates an a cause later in life, you know, may definitely have some augmentation to their, to their values. Okay. What I find is of the core values, maybe the priority with which I focus on them changes, but they're all there. And how I manifest them and how I fulfill them changes as I think about, you know, being a mother and when I've got small children to now having six foot two young adult men, (laughs) um, that just is a whole different family dynamic that one is dealing with and responding to. No, that, that I, that I totally agree with. I just, I don't think they change. And I, what I say to people is most people don't know and can't articulate their core values, but they know when they've been violated. Like they, I think they know when they run into the, the electric fence, like by feel, the goal is to stay away from the electric fence and to run okay. towards the open part of the field. But most people, yeah. I don't, they don't, they don't, they haven't laid them out enough to know, like to, to clearly say, do this and don't do this. So when you formed Acceleration Partners, you didn't at that point have that deeper understanding of your own personal values, or did you? I, I did not. But but through osmosis, we had a lot of core value. We had six or seven core values as a company. And actually, after I went through this exercise and I became really clear, um, we, we cut our company's core values down to three. We didn't really change them, but we looked and we said, look, these three are the same thing. This is too cute. So I say, again, a company, be very wary of a company that says it's changing its core values. That, that to me is a, a red flag. But we narrowed them down and, and I actually sort of unapologetically went to the business. One of the times where, because we were hitting some walls, we were in one of those growth spurts and was like, this is who we are. This is our vision. This is where we're going to go. And like, this is a great time to double down or exit left if, if it's not interesting to you. Well, that takes courage as a leader to actually acknowledge that some people may self-select out and exit left and be able to do it in a way where heads are held high and it's not a a sense of failure. It's just this isn't the right place. No, I mean, I I did a TEDx talk on this. We have this program, you know, we've tried to eliminate two weeks notice. We've tried to really we stand for a specific set of things that is not for everyone. I, I, I don't think there's a universal definition of a great culture. Like I have a friend that has a very a company, great place to work, but they're very they dress up you know, hats and just, it's not our, it's not my thing. It's not authentically, you know, who I am. They have more of like a joker culture. So it, it, I always say it's like universities or colleges, right? They have very clear, they're all great, but they have really different value propositions, Mm -hmm. big city, rah-rah school, small country. That's like companies. I think what you're trying to do is find the right person. So if we have someone who's the wrong in our company, like I'll do everything I can. I'd like to you know, have them be a productive member of our alumni group and help them figure out something different. But at the same time, I'm not going to let them, you know, stay at our company and violate our values. I love that. And I love that concept of abundance and generosity and helping them to find the right place to thrive. So I know that Acceleration Partners, you've consistently won best places to work. So tell me a little bit more about the secret source and, and what does it feel like to be part of the organization? 
Yeah, I always like to say we're the best place to work for about 1.5% of the population. That's that's our acceptance rate for account manager roles, right? So it really is our core values. It's own it, embrace relationships, and excel and improve. You'll notice I don't need a rubric or index cards you know, for, for, for that. And to me, a great culture aligns with the Gandhi quote. It, it's when it, what it thinks, what it says, and what it does are all aligned. And that's what I think is true for us. I don't think it's for everyone. I think some people aren't really embrace relationships. They want to be an individual producer and they're not Excel and Improve. They want to like stay in the straight lane. So that's really at the end of the day for us. I, if someone comes here and they don't like it, what I want them to have said is, I picked the wrong company. Those people were pretty consistent between what they said and what they did. People get really frustrated when they hear the CEOs talk about the pay for play corporate, like integrity and all this stuff. And that's not how people behave. So I really yeah. believe that anyone would say that is what they do. I just picked the wrong team. That's not me. Okay. So what impact has 2020 had on how you manifest, but also how you nurture and maintain that sense of team and culture? I think this will go down as one of the hardest leadership challenges that anyone will ever have, including companies that were doing well. So we're we're back at full capacity. We're in an industry that's doing pretty well overall. But but from all the CEOs and companies and sort of mastermind groups, I mean, the mental health of everyone right now, particularly in professional services businesses, which I think are all people, is really tough. And I think I was explaining this to someone earlier today. I, I think normally if you just picked a random index, like a stress index, let's say one to 75, and you'd say normally like we have problems when our stress index hits 75, that's people's capacity. Typically we dive in and be like, well, what's going on? Well, we don't have enough people or our end of month reports are overwhelmed. Like it's all business stuff that we could fix. People are coming in and hitting that at 30 now because of all the stuff that's going on. And it's actually not anything to do with the business. It's just they don't have as much to give emotionally or spiritually or otherwise because they're exhausted or scared or drained or otherwise. So, so it has taken a lot of work because the challenge for a leader today is, let's say a company that's doing well, but you have people that are suffering from just a burnout is to say, look, I, I, I want to help you. I want to talk through this or otherwise. But we also have clients here that have you know needs and are paying mm -hmm. And if we don't service them well, now the other worry I can add to you is that we don't have the job for you, right? Because they fired us. <laughs> so it is a really delicate balance between what the business needs and understanding that people are really suffering on the mental health side right now. It certainly is a challenge. I'm hearing that theme consistently. And I know that Friday Forward is one of those weekend, end of yeah. the week anchor points for so many people now. So I'm sure at the beginning, you had no idea I ever started. No, no less than none, yeah. I was reading a post earlier with somebody commenting on your overnight success. And of course, yeah, they see the peak of the, yeah. the iceberg. But when you saw, what was the inspiration for Friday Forward? So it was actually that same leadership event. One of the things that we did in the mornings was we were encouraged by the, to have a 10-10-10 routine, which is 10 minutes of quiet silence, 10 minutes of reading something positive, and then 10 minutes of writing. And they gave out a bunch of books. And I loved the morning routine, but 
the positive stuff was a little rainbow and unicorny for me. Um, not my unicorns, not, okay. <laughs> not, not, not my cup of tea. Uh, so, but I like the writing like journaling. So I actually merged the things a few weeks later, our team was remote 40 people. And so I said, you know, I, I've got some stories I saved and quotes and images, like I'll just send something on Friday around kind of getting better. I didn't have the terminology at the time, but building capacity, see if people like it. And I sent it for five or six weeks. And I didn't hear from anyone. And, but I kept doing it because I enjoyed it. <laughs> it gave me a time to think about an issue and dive into it. And then eventually I heard back from people saying they really liked it. They had done something. They signed up for that race. They had a discussion they needed to have. Um, but also interestingly that they had forwarded it to their parents or their husband's company who shared it or something like that. And, uh, to make a, a, a short story long, basically a couple of things happened where I realized it, it uh, or a long story short, it was getting out of the company. And eventually I actually made it so that people could sign up for it and opened, I was, it was a BCC thing and, mm -hmm. and put the old ones out on a, on a website. And someone wrote an article saying, this is the only newsletter I read each week. And, and from there, it just sort of spread uh, very much so within organizations where team member or leader would then be sharing it with their whole team each week. And, uh, you know, fast forward five or six years later, and it's a couple hundred thousand people in 60 countries, which is still crazy to me every Friday when I open up the thing and I see the pins all over the world of, of people opening yeah. it. So on the other side, then now you've got all these people waiting for the bing, you've yeah. got mail. Um, if I go back a few I, years. I, the pressure is actually what keeps like the, 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 the pressure to have to deliver value, I actually think is what has kept me going. Okay, it's like you're the the lucky mascot because if you miss one, so, not, so today was actually two hundred and fifty. I noticed. Um, oh, wow. so, so that's I have not I have not actually missed one. I've had some ones that are more summaries or year end. I the only one that that, that usually it's the January because so many people are on vacation. Mm -hmm. But this is interesting how you learn this. So I was like, I'm not going to waste it on people are on you know Christmas, but I so I did start a couple of years ago. Here are the ten most popular ones of the year as a recap okay. kind of like and, and the most clicked on of the entire year and was the recap it was pretty pretty interesting so uh, do you get ahead of yourself then and in terms of do you wait till friday and then think okay so let's think about the seven last seven days and make it current or do you just grab things and put them in your pending folder ready to release into the wild as and when what's both so i keep a long list of things the magic formula seems to be that when real life circumstance connects to thing I was thinking about, then it's perfect. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. I was talking with Morag today and we talked, you know, mentioned this and that got me thinking about the law of attraction or, or whatever it is. But, you know, someone was saying to me a week or two ago, a friend, he goes, this is love this one of the best lines ever. He's like, but you need something lighter. Like your kids and sports are used to do. I was like, and I was like, you know, I just haven't had, those interactions with COVID-19, like I don't, I'm not traveling. I'm not seeing people to have a, the, a lot of the serendipitous stuff that used to lead to some of these stories. So yeah, they are, they have been a little more, more serious. Um, but so, and then sometimes something happens that week. Sometimes mentally I'm kind of working on the next two or three, but I probably have a hundred themes on that notepad at this point that I thought of at some point. What happened to the silence piece from your workshop where you shh, things down then or have you always got something going on up here not good at the silence piece yeah i i i meditate um but but my i you know people always say 
well, how, how do you, are you gonna run out of idea? I'm like, the ideas aren't my problem. Editor and that sort of stuff is my problem. So, that, I mean, that's just the strength, but yes. Blessing is a curse. Uh, my brain goes, and uh, I, I try to give myself that rest and, and relaxation. But that's also what I like, you know, playing with a concept, thinking about it in the shower, or whatever, wherever you have a, you know, that that, that sort of breakthrough. Um, so it it's both. I sometimes say I'm not good at doing nothing. I never yeah. have been. Well, congratulations on the the quiet influence that's come from it. But then, of course, there's the pivot to the book. Yeah. And you now have to pick your favorite or most impactful uh, Friday yeah. forwards to put in the book. So how did you go about that process? And what's one of the stories that you particularly resonate with that made the cut? Yeah, so... When I first wrote the book five years ago, when it was rejected, which is why I went to write Elevate instead, um, uh, th th that was like I had like 75 of them. So it wasn't hard to pick 52. Um, what I did this time was I actually went back through the comments. So each week I get 20 to 100 emails from people in response. And it lets me know which ones have had the deepest impact, like I can tell from that. So I, you know, they're split across the four capacities. So that gave me the buckets. And then I went back and looked both at the sharing of the post and the feedback I've gotten from the post, because I wanted the ones that were most uh, impactful. Uh, and, and yeah, the favorite question comes up a lot. It's like picking, picking your children. I, I, I will say that the, um, it, the theme, and this goes to today's Friday Ford, uh, but, but the theme of, of some of my favorite ones is sort of the, the debunking the myth of the overnight success. And uh, I, I enjoyed the research on the one for, for Ed Sheeran. And that's one of my favorites. Um, mm -hmm. it, just his story, because it's an example of someone who's, look, most people don't even realize, like it, most people are a singer or a songwriter, and it's hard enough to become good at one of those, right? But he is a singer, songwriter, performer, mm -hmm. platinum level. So like talent, out the wazoo, he was like homeless for five years trying to get discovered, you know, so it's, it's much talent he had. And he, you could look at it and say, wow, I mean, you know, today, but if you actually look at what he gave up, what he did to get discovered, taking his last probably $500 and flying a one-way ticket to LA and couch surfing where he ended yeah. up at Jamie Foxx's studio, uh, he just had such a specific vision of what he wanted to to accomplish. And I just, I always appreciate those stories. Love his music. You mentioned earlier there the four capacities. Can you say more about those? Sure. So so the, the four elements of capacity building, which uh, was the basis of my book, Elevate. And so Elevate sort of the framework of capacity building. Friday fours are all the stories. So mm -hmm. you could read one or the other. Like some people want to hear the structure of it. And then the others could read, you know, 12 actual stories that will highlight mm -hmm. that concept for them. So uh, the four elements are uh, spiritual capacity, which is really kind of what you want most, your core values, your North Star, intellectual capacity, which is how you think, plan, learn, execute with discipline, set accountability. Uh, I, I think of that as your personal operating system, like kind of your learning mechanism, physical capacity, which is your health, wellness, and, and, and otherwise. And then emotional capacity, which is how you relate to the world around you and the things that you don't control and your the quality of your relationships and how you relate to other other people. So each of the stories are, are broken up into those sections. 
I love that. So when you think about those four capacities, which do you tap into the most easily and which do you tap in, have to give more energy to tap into? I'm not tap into as much as they go up and down. Like I was saying something before, it's not that they're perfect. Like in launching a book on capacity building, I completely drain my physical capacity, right? So it's not, uh, you know, kind of to the point of exhaustion. If you've been part of a book launch, like there's just almost no way not, not to do it the way they're structured these days. Um, so uh, I, I think that for me, it's actually just looking what feels a little bit, you know, out of, out of whack at any one time. Like, am I, Am I not learning? Am I running the hamster wheel and just not learning and accountability or moving forward? Am I not clear in my directions? You know, I, I said to someone before that I don't have to go back to spiritual that off. I think spiritual is the one that if you kind of solve it, you solve it. But one of the times when I think you do need to go back to it is I'm, I'm in this phase where I have a lot of uh, things that people are asking me to do that are all very interesting. Like I call a level. It's easy when you have a lot of stuff and you go, well, that's a B level up. They're all kind of A's, but I can't possibly do them all or I'll be physically capacity. My physical capacity to diminish. So I've kind of been going back to and looking at, I know what the core values are, but trying to map all of these things up against the core values and saying, you know, if, if I have to let one of these fall to the ground, which are the ones that are really going to matter most in six months, a year, five years, if I if I were to do that? So I touched earlier on in your bio and introduction around the external accolades and recognition for you and your leadership style. Yeah. So I'm curious from the inside out perspective, what do you believe makes for a great leader? Just authenticity. So I, 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 I think that I, I do not think I am <laughs> the accolades are probably more than they are due, but I, but I think that is just because more of, we have put out a flag. I'm attracting people to the company that like our vision that like what we stand for. I'm doing what I say that I'm going to do. If you put another 80 people in that room, they'd be like, he's a terrible leader. Like he's not doing this or that or otherwise. But I think I've put very authentically out into the world, into people, what I, what I value, what I don't value, what I'm looking for, where I think I can help them. Uh, and I enjoy capacity building and helping people build their capacity, which is, you know, I've, I've, I've grown out of wanting to do everything. So, so that, that I think just aligns itself nicely to aspects of leadership in terms of wanting to spend a lot of my time helping to develop people and make them better. Okay. And I know you have uh, another book or the reprint of the book that's going global on yeah. teams. I mean, the timing is sometimes you think, wow, that perfect nailed it. <laughs> so, virtual team, well, it was not, it was not like I planned that a year ago. That was a pandemic hit. I had this presentation I should make this into a book. So I am running as fast as COVID is to try to get that out. Yeah. Okay. So what advice do you have then for not just leaders who are now working with distributed teams, but for everybody who's part of a work from home environment, what advice do you have for making virtual teams succeed? Yeah. Look, there'll be a lot of companies that decide they want to do this, don't want to do this, but this has not been an ideal scenario, you know, and to have no warning to have kids all working from home to have, you know, no office set up. So I think what's really important, I actually go pretty deep into culture in this book, because I think there's a foundational element if you want to build this type of culture and the type of accountability and flexibility that you want to have. But I think people and they need the tools, they need the training. Most people don't know how to do it. I think their home life really bleeds into the work life. Sorry, work 
life bleeds into home life. The mm-hmm. fear was always that home life would bleed into work life. I think the data is pretty clear that people work more when they're home. So mm-hmm. I, I talk a lot about in the book on how to create more space and how to like emulate the kind of commute to work in the morning and in the afternoon and try to break up your day and schedule yeah. because I, one of the analogies I used in the book, uh, which I really like, is look, if you reach over to your work email on your nightstand at 657 and pull that onto your bed, that is like someone just grabbed you in your pajamas and threw you into the office and you have started your work day. Right. And, yes. and, and that, that, that's basically what's happening. So you, what you should do is you should have that phone downstairs plugged in. You should go make your coffee. You should go read or do whatever you want to do and, and understand then when you turn that on, you are in the office. So, but you're going to want, you need some space before that and probably at the end of the day after that. I couldn't agree more. I have to say, I fell into that same trap. And I think all the research I've shown is that on average, ag days, work days have grown by three hours, let alone the multiple um, yeah. responsibilities we're doing, like homeschooling. And so I recorded a short article recently about how I've reinvented my commute, i.e., it's no longer bed, desk, bed, <laughs> but I will walk around my neighborhood to and from work at the beginning and end of the day. Oh, look, you're already, you're already following the key recommendation. Yeah. Yes, and I will admit I've fallen off the wagon a couple of times this morning. For example, it was a bed desk commute, but that was yeah. because we started, or I started very early. But it's good to start looking for those opportunities to put the natural pauses back into the day yeah. that we would have had otherwise that allow us to think, to be creative, to catch up on our reading, just to think right. about being mindful about how we're showing up. And every pro has a con, right? So the, the modern office is a, is a, is a wasteland of, of, um, interruption, mm-hmm. right? I think the open office movement has been totally debunked. The, the, the need for flex places and glass and no corner offices and stuff is right. But the, a space where people hear everyone all day and are distracted all day by other people has been debunked as not, not productive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but look at the same time, you can sit down at home, not look up for four hours. No one interrupts you. There's no social cues and you can really like, you know, and then, and then, and then you're kind of burning yourself out. So you need to like create a day full of stuff. I, I, I really believe in scheduling everything, like when you're going to end your day, when you're going to work out, when you want to break, when you're going to go for that walk, because otherwise you do have the ability to jump on a bunch of these calls and look up and it's six hours later. Mm -hmm. So as you look to the the future, then what are you hoping that we all take away from this experience? Um, I I think, well, well, first of all, a lot of the people who, who might not, they're not getting a pretty good look at, particularly if you're someone with young kids and you hate it right now, this is not what it looks like normally. So I I think that people will understand two things, that there's a lot more flexibility in remote work that I think would be productive and healthy for both employees and, uh, and employers. At the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't work just by accident or just, Hey, go work from home and call something like you need, systems, processes, tools, training, like you need some intentionality around it to really make it work well. My fear is that a lot of companies are going to get addicted to the cost savings of this during this pandemic and won't actually reinvest in Mm -hmm. what they need to do to make it a successful environment. Uh, You introduced me to someone I just uh, interviewed for, 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 for my book and what, you know, large company. And what he was saying was that like, 
you know, they're almost thinking about what's the, what's the normal overhead per person in the office and giving employees that money to set themselves up properly, you know, at home. Um, it, it's different, you know, you need, you need a light, you need a camera, you probably need a green screen, like, it, you know, longer term when COVID's done, people don't want to see your dishes in the background. They don't want to see your kids. I, I think there's some grace on that now, but, but you're going to, you're going to need to have like a, a more productive environment. Well, Robert, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much. And for those listening, how can they learn more about the work that you're doing at Acceleration Partners, but also your thought leadership with your books and the newsletter? Sure. Yeah. If you're interested in, in partner marketing and what we're doing, uh, it's accelerationpartners.com or probably easier to Google it. And then my uh, podcast books, Friday Forward, everything is at Robert Glazer, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. And I'll make sure all of that information is in the show notes around here. Again, Robert, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.